Check one, two. This episode of Star Trek The Next Conversation is brought to you by our one and only sponsor, Ripley's Believe It or Not Museum and Auditorium in Hollywood, California. It's at Hollywood and Highland. It's the crossroads of entertainment, people. If you're looking for something to do, there's a lot of uh, good things to eat up there. There's uh, Dave and Buster's. You can play some games for a little bit, enjoy some terrible wings. But then I want you to work your mind and your curiosity, and I want you to head over to the Ripley's Believe It or Not Museum in Hollywood, California, and I want you to get in. Buy one, get one free. It's a BOGO offer. All you have to do is go to the counter and tell them, hey, I heard about this on Star Trek The Next Conversation. And they will then, after 5 p.m., give you a buy one, get one entry. That's right. Two people for 20 bucks. Get into the auditorium. Take a look around. Believe it or not, it's all part of the fun. Have a great time in Hollywood. Podcast, The Final Frontier. These are the conversations of the friendship Matt Myra and Andrew Secunda. Their continuing mission. To seek out old adventures with contrived civilizations. To boldly watch episodes that one of them has watched before. Everybody, welcome to Star Trek, the next conversation. My name is Matt. And my name is Andy. We are here and talking about Deja Q. One of the renowned episodes, correct? By me. I don't know about the rest of the public. Oh. Well. I I am the voice of just myself here. Not all Star Trek people. I think, it's a, I think it must be generally regarded as a good episode. So should they watch the episode? Yes. Yes course it's one of my favorites everybody did you say generally they should watch every q episode or not every no q? some of them are bad i think the first two are not great <laughs> it, well that's this is i'm on record as sort of not being a fan of q i like q who q who is was the last the Borg the one Borg, yeah, that yeah. one was great yeah yeah i like q who and i like deja q and then there's cupid which i'm not super keen on cupid but then i enjoy uh q less uh and uh, there's an episode called Q-less? Yeah. Oh. Yeah. I don't understand the pun. Yeah, I never really did either. Is it just supposed to sound like clueless? I don't oh, know. Oh, maybe that. I don't know. I guess it would have been the right era, right? 1990s. Oh, I don't think it's referencing the movie Clueless. I just oh, assumed I it was the word. <laughs> oh, yeah. Clueless was much later, wasn't it? No, I think that was 94. It was post-grunge, right? So it was 94? 95. 95. Uh, I say it was post-grunge just because of Paul Rudd's character. Matt, you want yes. to take a, a, what do I need to do? A peek in the Admiral's Club. I need to go. I have to look in there? Well, you, you don't you have telling to. Me there I are, can go in by myself, I feel like. Are there people in there? Well, we got to see who, are, who the new people are in the, in the Admiral's Club. Oh, so that's what we do inside the Admiral's Club? We walk in <laughs> and, and we, we look at the new people? Well, yeah, we see what they have to say. And they... they I think they hand me a <laughs> they hand me a pad, one of the pads, and uh-huh. written on the pad is their uh, review of the show, their five-star review. Oh, I had no idea that was how this all worked. I assume that's what's happening in Look, there. I'm excited. Let's... Uh, 
let's take a swing on in, everybody. All right. Matt, um, I guess to be in here, right? <laughs> you must have written a five-star review on Apple Podcasts about this podcast. We won't let you in if you write a five-star review of like. I, why can't I think of a podcast? <laughs> that was terrible. Situation. That was bad. I just couldn't think of any James podcast. bonding. Yeah, sure. I was like trying to go outside of my own self sure. here. Didn't want to reference yourself. Say you write a five star review of uh, of cereal. That's how up to date I am on podcasts. Yeah, you you, you wouldn't be allowed in here. No. But if you wrote a five star review of us and cereal, sure. Well, producer Bane just handed me his pad. Oh, thanks, and Bane. Uh, let's see what it says. It says good discussion without nostalgia filters and then his uh, comment is it's true troy has no actual powers <laughs> um and then uh oh thank you hockey net hockey net hockey net oh hockey net <laughs> uh, i don't get any puns it's a it's a problem i i'm, I'm basically he's pun blind face blind and pun blind was data pun blind i don't it probably like he, he enjoyed. Get, I mean, he probably learned a lot about them from Joe Piscopo. Like I can't imagine that he only went to Joe Piscopo that one time. Right. I bet he swung back through. Anyway, uh, Hockey Nat says, "New Yorkers!" Exclamation point. This podcast is awesome. If you want a, a subway bench to yourself, because no one wants to sit next to the person cackling out loud at a Star Trek podcast. <laughs> uh, Andy and Giddy Matt are a delight with sound effects and theories that totally make sense. Grumpy Matt is there too. Please keep this podcast going because I'm already looking forward to your years away review of the episode where Beverly bangs a ghost. <laughs> oh, wow. Spoiler. I'm a president now. Question mark. Oh, wait. Is he? No. I'm a president now? No, you're not. You're, you're an not admiral. President. You're in the no. Admiral's Club. You are. However, it is time to enter the uh, United Federation of Planets President Circle. Oh, Andy. Well, all we got to do is walk through this door, which is just. One of these doors that randomly sits in oh, the Admiral's that Club. We're just yep. in the same room. No, we're just rocking a circle. I don't know why we do this. It seems like a waste of our time. Swing through here. Matt, this week, uh, I want to get into the uh, United Federation of Planets President Circle uh, by making a donation to the show uh, through our PayPal account, uh, sttncpod at gmail.com. Um, you can also send your hails there. Uh, Sherry Holton sent us $5, and uh, she said, uh, I thought I would send you $1 for every Babylon that sucks. <laughs> so she's on your side about Babylon Five. Uh, we've had a lot of support from our listeners, President Circle member, um, and uh, Christopher Moore, who is Picard's at Picard's underscore Fish, <laughs> um, a frequent commenter and uh, and friend of the show. Um, uh, he says, uh, Picard's Fish here. I'm already in the President Circle, but I figured I was due for another contribution. Oh, you guys Livingston. are a delight to listen to. Uh, you are the highlight of my Monday morning. Uh, things are going great with the eSight glasses. We, Excellent uh, job. We helped. We uh, made people aware of his campaign to gain sight through electronics a la Jordy LaForge. That's right. Um, so, so happy it's going well for you, uh, Christopher. Uh, looking forward to 
uh, going to my first Dodger game with the glasses on June 12th. Nice. Interestingly, uh, Matt was uh, playing uh, a little baseball on his screen when I walked in. PlayStation 4, MLB The Show. Andy, I, I pitched an immaculate inning today. You did. And there was no trophy for it. And I was like a little bummed out. Do they usually give you a trophy? They'll give you like a trophy for like, you know, little feats. Like say you hit a grand slam, you get a trophy for hitting the grand slam. Say you hit for the cycle, you get a trophy for hitting for the cycle. I struck out the side on nine pitches. Uh Three outs on nine pitches. Uh I was like, this is the greatest experience I've ever had in my life. No trophy awarded by MLB The Show. Wait a minute. When I walked in, somebody had a shot up the middle. That was I wasn't it wasn't then it wasn't that in it oh, oh it was a different it thing. was Heath Embry Heath Embry uh, in uh, I was playing Oakland I don't worry about him all right <laughs> anyway he continues live long and prosper Cosmo and yes uh, he sent us seventeen dollars and two cents the seventeen dollars and two cents uh, was intentional many people donate seventeen oh one in honor of the enterprise my donation is one cent better happy face. Uh, um, do we know canonically or non-canonically? I'm assuming it's probably in memory beta somewhere, which is just the collection of uh, all the shit from the novelizations and novels and stuff like that. So essentially not. It's soft canon. Uh, I wonder if we are aware of what ship has the... 1702. 1702. I wonder what was the next ship off the oh, line. Fascinating. It's probably like the do York they really? town or something like that. This is really dumb, but so... That's the, wait a minute. The, the one thousand seven hundred and first ship built, but except that when they make another Enterprise, they just keep seventeen oh one, don't they? Yeah, and they add A, B, C, or D. Right. So, is it the that brand that sort of breed of ship that that category of ship? I don't understand how it works. What do you mean? Well, it's seventeen hundred and one ships. This is a, the Enterprise is seventeen hundredth and first ship. Right. That's the idea. The first one. Yeah, um, and it was Constitution class, right? The USS Farragut, by the way, everybody is seventeen oh two. So I don't understand. The, it's not the seventeen hundred and first ship when it's Enterprise B, D, or C. Right. Yeah. So, like, you know, for instance, like, take a look at a ship like the uh, uh, Voyager, uh-huh. which is NCC two. God, what is the Voyager's insignia? I'll look it up, because I don't know it offhand. I'm yes. not that kind of nerd. I don't know. Uh, people oh, are I probably did. screaming at us right now. It's, I uh, did uh, Shriek Dianaga at work the uh, the other day. when uh, Once it came up, what I is the know. name of the... That's the creature in the trash compactor in Star Wars. Oh, there you go. Uh, NCC 74656. That's, that's Voyager. Voyager was launched in uh, 23... 71 There you go That's, I don't, that's I don't. when Voyager was launched Out of the Utopia Planitia So you're going through And you're making your ships And then the first Enterprise Is the 1701st ship Yeah Type That has been no, made No 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 It is this Is this really no, Literally ship. is this Just ship just number, just like yeah. Except that when you get to the the reworks of the the ship, when they make a whole new ship, they don't call it, they don't number it up. They just put a yeah, B, D, or C uh, behind it as a reference to the enterprises that came before it. I guess I'm saying they're not counting the amount of the ships. It's not the the number of ship. Well, there aren't that many A, B, C, Ds out there, you know. And I feel like I've made my point. The, the, this is this is bothering me that you're bothered by this. <laughs> I guess it's, it's crazy for you to be bothered by this. 
It just doesn't make logical sense to me. What do you mean it doesn't make sense? I mean, it makes sense. I of get it. Of course it makes sense. I guess I'm just saying it doesn't make logical sense that that's how they would number it. Why don't they just call the Enterprise D the 2005th ship? So you want Enterprise D to be... You want it to be called the USS Enterprise D? You don't want it to be called the USS Enterprise, right? So you don't want it to have an insignia... I'm very confused by what you're asking for. I'm, it's mostly the numbering that bothers me. You'd rather... So, okay. Great. So it's a galaxy class starship, right? Let's right. look up let's look up the Yamada. Okay. This is so dumb for everybody <laughs> listening. <laughs> uh, the USS Yamada. I'll just look up galaxy class. God damn it. <laughs> Can't spell Yamada correctly. For those of us who are paying attention, we have not even opened the hell back. <laughs> So the Galaxy class starship was launched in the 2350s. Okay, the first one obviously would be the. Also, by the way, here's another yes. thing for starships for you. Okay, usually the first of its class is named whatever the class of ship is. So, right. for instance, a Constitution class ship, which is the NCC 1701, the Enterprise, the original Enterprise, is a Constitution class ship. Right. But the first Constitution class ship was the USS Constitution. Right. Got okay, it. that you had. That I knew. Uh, so. There would have to, presumably, have been a USS Galaxy, right? I'd assume so. I don't know that I ever saw it, though. Hmm. Interesting. Anyway, what I'm lost in my wormhole of what I was looking up for. I can explain it, or we can just. Oh, I was wanting to know. My question was, what were these other Galaxy class starships' registry numbers? Right. That was sort of my. And all of this information on Memory Alpha is about the Enterprise. And quite frankly, I wish it was not. Well, look, we've addressed this question thoroughly. I think everyone understands our perspectives. And we have thousands and thousands of listeners who I'm sure could answer um, my probably myopic question. (laughs) Um, So uh, why don't we just let them get to it? Uh, Okay, but this is annoying to me. All right. This is like my... I've targeted his oh, OCD. Okay, here we are. Uh, all right, so for instance, uh, uh-huh. oh, this is all memory beta bullshit. You understand my main question is why not just keep numbering it up even if you're going to call it the Enterprise D? But then it would be called the USS Enterprise D. But what I'm saying... That's you stupid. Can, you can call it the USS Enterprise D, but why not make it the 2040, whatever the number was by the time they got to that ship? Because you're not... Why keep it 1701? Because that's the registry number of the original ship. So oh, you, that's that's like Constitution class. That's the registry number of the original Enterprise. What does registry number mean? NCC 1701. That's the registry number. Of the original Enterprise. Correct. Uh-huh. So then so when they... a different version So of then, it. you know, after they blew up that ship over the Genesis planet, right? So this is the equivalent... Of a constant of like a class, except this is specifically no. that ship. This is another version no. of that ship. No. Why are you not understanding this? <laughs> I don't know. Okay, so let's say we do a really good job with this podcast, right? <laughs> but then this podcast proven that not to be possible then, already. But then this podcast blows up. All right? <laughs> Very possible. Okay. Then all of a sudden we're like, someone should get us a new podcast. Okay. Okay? So we're going to call it Star Trek The Next Conversation-A. Okay. 
All right, this is not a great number thing because we don't have a registry number. Should have been B, but okay, fine. A. A. Well, you have the first one, right? And then when you're numbering things, all right, one one A. All right, reasonable. You know, okay. we wouldn't that podcast wouldn't necessarily be the same exact podcast but it would just be a tribute to the previous podcast that we got the name a terrible example by the way of Uh what what i just gave you Uh is a terrible example but isn't that not going to help you understand isn't that similar to the reasoning about the constitution class do you have a car yes what is your car's name do you have a name for your car Bethany. Bethany, right? So uh-huh. you have a Bethany. <laughs> let's say your that. car is named Bethany. <laughs> it's a terrible name for a car. <laughs> yeah, let's say you, you know, your you, your car currently is a two-door car. It's okay. a two-door coupe. It is. Right? Yeah. Let's say uh, Bethany, you and Bethany have some great times, and then it's time for Bethany's lease to be up. You then decide, ah, I'm going to get a truck. Uh-huh. When you're driving around in this it truck. It will soon be up if anybody has any uh, angles on how to get a better one. <laughs> you're driving around in a truck, and then you decide, you know what, I'm going to get a two-door coupe again. Uh-huh. And you decide to get a two-door coupe in black, and you're like, oh, this is nice. This reminds me of Bethany. I think I Then you call it the going. Bethany A. Right. But yeah. I have no idea where i But I'm this going. is the problem. You've proven what my, what my question is, because that part makes sense to me. The part that doesn't make sense is if it was like, is using the same VIN number on it. Right. But it wouldn't be the same VIN number. It would be the VIN number dash A. But would, it wouldn't be the same VIN number. It would be a you, totally different car. Let's say you got... Lexus to make you an exact in 10 20 years uh-huh. you're like I want an exact Bethany okay <laughs> they're like all right we can do this for you and then they put the VIN number and they dash it a you don't even want to get the 350 you still want to you still want the 200 turbo uh, so yes you say I'm not made of money okay. and then you say just get me that and then they'll give you that VIN number and then they'll dash a again I think I'm proving Andy's point Ha-ha! Secunda! This was terrible. I apologize to everyone who had to listen to this. <laughs> anyway, if someone that, can explain it better, please write it. That's the Admiral's Club. Do you want to bother walking out into the corridor, or should uh, we just be there? I mean, we can't. Assume we're transported there. We can't, uh, we can't do... You know what? We're going to skip uh, all the doors. All right. And that was the Club. We're doing this one from inside the President's Circle. No, we're not. Captain, we are being hailed. All right. We're beaming to the corridor. Nice. Sight to sight. <laughs> Very nice. Here we are. All right. All right. The first one uh, is titled, The Curse of a Good Writer, and then in parentheses, Andy's always right. So that one caught my eye. Hey, Andy, uh, because everybody knows that I'm the only one that reads these, I was listening to the most recent episode, The High Ground, and I noticed how you credit the writers of TNG with layering in continuity on more than one occasion throughout the series. Matt generally dismisses your musings as you are reading too much into a scene true uh, but I think what's actually going on is that you are too good a writer I think by now it's clear that in seasons one and two of TNG the writers were struggling to keep uh, simply keep the show afloat and were not worried about building a cohesive universe with a dis- defined set of rules I think in season three the writers have become more comfortable in the stability of the show and have begun to use the continuity to their advantage the only problem with that is that they are building uh, upon such a weak foundation that season three is akin to starting from square one sort of like a soft reboot do you agree with this so far? No. The problem lies in your expectation of what it was like to be in the Raiders' room of TNG in the early 90s. Uh, it's clear from watching Chaos on the Bridge it was far from being efficiently run at this stage, although Matt will probably attest to the fact that this is soon to change dramatically. Your favorite dub, Gerard Heffernan, your number one Irish fan. Oh, I should have read that all on a... 
no, an insulting I stereotypical all, accent. We're all glad you didn't. Uh, <laughs> Your favorite dub, oh, Gerard Heffernan. Oh, boy. <laughs> um, so you disagree? I just... We'll, we'll figure it out eventually. We're going to figure out what it was like in there. Okay. Um, uh, next uh, hail is from Drew DeFonzo Marks, friend of the podcast. And uh, he says, uh, since the only sci-fi franchises Matt likes are Highlander and Star Trek... <laughs> I hope he enjoys this. P.S. Duncan is greater than Connor. I don't. Uh, I agree. Do you, I is, enjoy Duncan. One Duncan McLeod is greater than Connor. Connor McLeod. Wait, which one was the main one? The main one from the television show is Duncan. Oh, I see. Oh, and you think he was greater than the movie? Yeah. Duncan? Yeah. No, there's no movie Duncan. It's a different McLeod. Oh. God, was he? And a, then they get together in the fourth Highlander movie. Was what he, is wrong with you, Andy? Follow your Highlanders. Which was the one with Michael Ironside as the villain, where he's on a subway for a lot of it? Uh, that's Highlander Two, I believe. That was the worst. There were two after that. Crazy. Yeah. Were either of them good? Uh, TBD. So, and did the fourth one predate the TV show? The fourth one was after the TV show. Oh, that's satisfying. Yeah, they got. They finally were like, let's bring the universe together. Oh, that's really nice. Yeah. Although I imagine Connor would have, I mean, Duncan would have uh, would have aged a lot by then. It was called Highlander Endgame. Huh. Duncan and Connor. Duncan McLeod and Connor McLeod. Adrian Paul, what are you up to? Anyway, this is... Write us if you're listening. <laughs> you, want, you want to appear on the podcast? <laughs> Generally, we don't have guests, but we no, can have I a Highlander guest. I don't want you on the podcast. I just want you to write in and tell us how you're doing. All right. Uh, anyway, Drew sent us this uh, entertaining snippet. Here we are, born to be... Captains. We're the captains. <laughs> Enterprise. <laughs> There you go. Uh, uh, <laughs> that should that's make that my ringtone. That's what we're gonna do. Uh, good job, Drew. Gonna laugh at a Matt. Uh, Jeff Dixon writes us, uh, dear Andy and Matt, as a lover of STTNC as well as you guys, this is absolutely my favorite podcast out of like thirty I subscribe to. With that said, I think you made a mistake last week when Andy was discussing. He's right, it's the NVC, but it's MVC. Uh, Jeff, for uh, unless NVC is more appropriate to the Navy, uh, for the hunted, you guys were trying to decide how oh, to. Pri- are you you're saying Navy valuable well, crew member? <laughs> I don't know. You don't this, think it's a typo? This guy goes on, uh, Jeff goes on to to uh, discuss things from a, Na- from a U.S. Navy perspective. He is, he's in the service. Yeah. So I don't know if NVC means something that MVC doesn't. I assume he just misinterpreted it. No, it's I think uh, NVC is... I most valuable crew member. The National uh, Visa Center, you know, if you want to get your visa processed. Well, uh, maybe he's arguing something else then. <laughs> All right. Who's the most... Who's the National Visa Center? Anyway... Um, we were talking about The Hunted. You guys were trying to decide how to prioritize what is worthy of an MVC when Andy came to this conclusion. Protect the crew first for the MVC, protect the ship second for the MVC, and then the person who is most instrumental in solving the mission or central issue uh, for the uh, for the episode the th- is third. And that is what I said. And then he says, although on its surface it seems like a reasonable proposition, any sailor will tell you you have them ranked incorrectly. There is a saying we have in the U.S. Navy that goes ship, ship, shipmate, self. 
We use this phrase to remind ourselves of the priorities during combat situations or training. Ship always comes first. You will do anything to save the ship because if you lose the ship, everybody dies anyway. But what about in uh, with the Indianapolis? I mean, yeah, everybody went in for the sharks, but then Quint survived. Anyway, once the ship is out of danger, or at least out of imminent danger, then the you can... The ship was struck by a torpedo. Uh, I know, and a lot of people died, but everybody didn't die, so shouldn't you save the shipmates first? I feel like the Navy has it wrong. Also, by the way, if they saved the ship, no yeah. one would have been eaten by sharks. Mm. If it stayed afloat well, that is, and didn't sink. Well, I guess that is also a valid argument. <laughs> no, that's the argument. 100% the wrong argument to prove my point. Whatever the case, but also in Star Trek, but this they're the destroying point, the ship every 10 seconds. To save, the, to save the shipmates. What are you talking about? It seems like they're constantly setting self-destruct. What are you talking about? That doesn't happen. What do you, We've seen it happen one time, and no one was on the ship. Well, in TNG. Yeah. Yeah, but in, in the other iterations, they feel like they're... They did it in Star Trek Three. That was it. No. Yeah. You're saying that is the only time they destroyed the ship intentionally. Yes. All right, I feel That's like the only time they destroyed the ship intentionally. Yes. All right. Fair enough. Uh, I, you obviously have superior knowledge on this uh, particular area, so I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna come against you. Whatever the case, once the ship is out of danger, at least imminent danger, then you can try and save your shipmates. Once you have saved your ship and have saved your shipmates, then you can tend to yourself or try to complete the mission. So, in regards to the MVC, I would recommend saving the ship first, then the crew. Then the mission slash situation. Feel free to ignore, embrace my opinions. Just thought I would throw them out there. Uh, sorry for the lack of brevity, Matt. I know nothing annoys you more than listening to a long, too long, endless emails from dum dums like me. No, you're not a dum dum. I like when I can yell at Andy about it. That is his favorite thing. Um, here's a voice hail. We are a select group of podcast listeners who represent. The ones who wish for more hail. What? Our terrorist organization will interdimensionally destroy each one of you, Matt. Oh, no. We get more hail. Oh, no. Andy, you're cool. Out. You have 12 hours to comply. So there's a lot of people who uh, well, I hope came up knows. against your, I hope he knows your general stance. He's so. going to die I if knows. he keeps uh, trying to interdimensionally. Oh, yeah, that's true. Hop into this podcast to <laughs> make more hail. That's true, buddy. You're really putting yourself at risk. Also, <laughs> is it going to interdimensionally hop in here, hand you hails, and then leave? <laughs> that seems like what's going to happen. He's going to hand you hails, phaser me, right, and then leave. That, that really does seem like what's going to happen. Okay. All right. I'd like to see it. Got to do what you got to do. Uh, we have a prime corrective. Okay. Time for retrospective. Um, Devin James uh, wrote, I'm not sure where we screwed up on the name, but uh, but I, I don't know if I read it wrong or something. But first off, it is Devin James, The Curse of Two Names, uh, continues. Uh, second, I think he wrote us about replicators versus food stations, and it was a very lengthy email that I may not have read all of. So he said, I was totally fine with my email being read, but I feel like I made some good points towards why the two terms are not interchangeable, especially in conjunction with the episode that had preceded. I believe that it was primarily just that if you're outside the the Federation, then you don't necessarily know what a replicator is. But whatever the case, Devin, if Matt wants me to read the whole email, then I will. Yes. 
All right. Uh, but anyway, the prime corrective. Call this bluff, everybody. The prime corrective uh, was that Matt said the atomic bomb was dropped on Okinawa and Hiroshima. Uh, it's clearly I said wrong. Nagasaki. Didn't I say Nagasaki? Why did I say Okinawa? I don't know. You, it wasn't dropped on Okinawa. You have you have no sensitivity to the to the. Oh my god. To the plot. That was weird. Um, all right, Devin James. Here is your here is your food station replicator email in its totality. <laughs> Hello, Matt and Andy. Greetings from Canada. I have been giving some thought to the food station or replicator issue and think I've come up with an answer. Using the defector as my basis, as it was the last podcast I have heard. Okay. Uh, come to the following. Rushing me along is not going to make this happen any faster. Come to the following hypothesis. Food station. One. Uh, a food station can replicate all edible essential molecular structures. Two, a food station is intended, as intended, will only replicate foodstuffs as programmed with common molecular structures from Federation planets. Three, a food station is not programmed with recipes of non-Federation cultures in its base model, as it would be made available to guests on starships staying in guest quarters or in crew quarters. Replicators. One, a replicator can replicate all molecular structures. All. Uh, two, a replicator, as intended, will re- replicate all matter that is programmed to replicate from a basic tool to a complex tool. Um, in parentheses, a wrench to a tricorder. Um, in many various materials, from stone to very durable metals, three, a replicator, as used in this industrial fashion, would not be installed in a crew quarters area of the ship, but instead uh, an area like main engineering and other main uh, major ship maintenance or construction areas. Uh, i.e. a shuttle bay. Essentially, a food station is a replicator that has certain programming disallowed uh, by the main computer to function at those terminals, whereas a replicator will have these food station functions available for use, but also higher programmed industrial implements, medical devices, other machinery, and everyday items, such as Data's violin or the poker chips uh, the crew use. You would not want to give a potential threat access to a fully functional replicator in that it could be used to create a weapon such as a phaser. Thanks, guys, for doing the podcast, and keep up the adequate work. Uh, P.S. Uh, I may be the only person who actually likes all the miscues and buffoonery that goes on. It gives the show character. I don't want two comedy writers to put out a bland, cookie-cutter, perfect podcast. That would just be sad. We will never put out a perfect podcast. <laughs> That's the Star Trek The Next Conversation promise. Uh, Matthew, did you have any comment before I, I like that he, I like that he bothered to do that, like to uh-huh. really go into that. And sure. Like, I feel like, you know, that's he should, he should write a fucking show Bible for a TNG or something. I got to tell you, Matt, we get a lot of those emails. Show Bibles? Uh, they, they feel like that. Uh, obsessively uh, detailed explanations of things. Yeah, and I look I for like that. is there is there a point I can boil it down to so that I don't I don't get a lot of nasty stares. And if I can't then I I have to put it guys, back into the hail look, bag, guys. I like hails. I like three hails. That's what I like. I like to keep it moving because there's a lot of people that are listening to this for the actual episode breakdown. And there's a lot of people we are a select group of oh, podcast no. listeners he's, who represent he is. the ones who he's, wish he's, for hail. He's here. <laughs> Our terrorist organization will interdimensionally destroy each one of you. He's kind of like when the terrorists beamed hail. on the Enterprise and had a long, <laughs> a long announcement. Oh, no. Anyway, that's the hailback. Worf was hit. All right. Mark down the time on this one. <laughs> 
2947. Oh, it's actually about our longest. <laughs> no, it'll be like 30 something when I when we put the music in the commercial up front. That this is Deja Q, production number 161. It aired the week of February 5th, 1990. Matt, U.S. radios were still tuned to Opposites Attract by Paul Abdul. Oh, that's the one with the with the cartoon cat. That's right. DJ Cool Cat, I believe. While Nothing Compares to You by Sinead O'Connor maintained its UK popularity. Uh, what I Saw at the Revolution by Peggy Noonan was a bestseller. Driving Miss Daisy swerved back into the fast lane at the box office after being nominated for nine Oscars. It would go on to win four. Heavyweight boxer Buster Douglas uh, knocks out the then undefeated world champion Mike Tyson in the 10th round of their bout in Tokyo. Russian satellite Suyuz. MC uh, Scat Cat. Oh, I was wrong. Not DJ Cool Cat. <laughs> That's Andy's, Andy's Chinese knockoff cereal. That's the mirror, mirror version of uh, MC Scat Cat. Um, the uh, TM9 arrived and docked successfully at Space Station Mir. Um, Time Magazine's cover featured Russia's contemporary leader against a red background with the caption, Starting over, Gorbachev turns his back on Lenin. And it all worked out. <laughs> all right. Andy, this is uh, Stardate 43539.1, directed by Les Landau, writ- written by Richard Danis. A name I don't often remember seeing. Was he on staff? I don't know. Maybe he was a. Do I feel counselor? foolish for not knowing Richard Dennis's, uh opus? Uh, now we're going to look him up because I feel like I have to. Uh, one more, one more writing credit. Richard, Dan- he was an exec story editor that year on on the, on the show. That's a lo- that's a sort of just above. Couple of, a couple of DS9s, and uh, he wrote uh, two episodes of TNG. Hmm. You'd think and they would have a lot to spread around at you 26 would, episodes You would think, season. but he was also busy doing Macmillan and Wife, Andy's favorite television. <laughs> I'm on record. If you guys wanna, want me to get that podcast going, just... Macmillan uh, <laughs> and what? Right in. Oh, God, if you and your wife started a Macmillan and Wife... Anyone out there? Wife, anyone out there who does have a wife? Oh, please make that podcast. I feel like you just rubbed that in my face, so showing that I that I wouldn't be appropriate. Everyone out there who's cool and has a wife still, is <laughs> taking a shot at me. All right, everybody. Here's the description from Larry Nemechek, Star Trek: The Next Generation Companion Revised Edition. As if Picard didn't have enough headaches trying to keep Burrell 4's moon from crashing into the planet, Q shows up claiming to be powerless. The alien says he's been evicted by the Q Continuum for his past mischief. Data is assigned to keep an eye on Q, whose story no one believes, until a gaseous Calmarian life form catches up with Q to exact revenge. Realizing Q really is defenseless, Data gets a severe electrical shot trying to protect him from the Calmarian. Uh, Q is moved by the android's sacrifice for him, steals a shuttlecraft to lower away the Calamarian, uh, so the Enterprise can lower its shields and get on with trying to save Brielle 4. But just as Picard tries to talk Q out of sacrificing himself, another Q arrives in the shuttle bay to say the Continuum was pleased with uh, Q's selfless act. Uh, 
The visitor restores his powers on probationary basis. Overjoyed, Q celebrates by providing a mariachi band, cigars, and women for the bridge queue. Furious again, Picard orders him off the Enterprise, but not before Q rewards Data with one a one-time belly laugh uh, as a lesson in humanity. As Picard, wondering whether Q is finally going to learn a lesson himself, the impish being returns, warning, don't bet on it. Andy, can't wait to see how you feel about this. <laughs> um, I also yes. can't wait to see how you feel about the uh, weird aliens on Brielle 4 who sound just like the Trade Federation. It, not to mention, this is the, the, Mon, the Mon Calamari or whatever they are. The, the, the Calamari? The Mon, Calamari. Mon, Mon Calamari was what General Akbar was. Admiral Akbar. Oh, man, I'm way off today. Well, you know, he had to get there. But it is, uh, it is crazy. Wasn't he eventually General Akbar? <laughs> An admiral be above that? No. Oh, general. Oh, wait. I no. mean, it's it. it it's they don't have it, man. Why is general? Why is why is Leia a general? Oh, good point. Is it a navy or is it an army? They don't know. Yeah, that's the beauty of Star Wars. No one gives a shit because it's all mystical bullshit. All right. Whereas Star Trek has real defined lines, everybody. Is this what you're saying on your Star Wars podcast with Matt Gorley? Star Warsing. Captain Long, TBD. It's coming out eventually. Can't believe it. We're the Star Wars podcast with someone else. I'm stuck on this Star Trek podcast. Nothing personal. I love Star Trek. We're investigating a catastrophic threat to the population from a descending asteroidal moon. Satellite's trajectory is continuing to deteriorate, Captain. This orbit will put it within 500 kilometers of the planet's surface. We're predicting the atmospheric drag will bring it down on the next orbit. Have you been able to find any explanation for this? No, Doctor. It is a most... That's good alien makeup. It is good alien makeup, but I agree with you. They're very Trade Federation-y. <laughs> uh, yes. Very strange. Usual phenomenon. Won't the moon disintegrate prior to impact? No, it has a ferrous crystalline structure, and it will be able to withstand tidal forces, Captain. Could we blow it into pieces? The total mass of the moon would remain the same, Commander, and the impact of thousands of fragments would spread destruction over an even wider area. How long? I wish instead Data was like, that won't work, dum-dum. That's the worst thing you could do. What impact? 29 hours, sir. Projecting it somewhere on the western continent. That would destroy an area 800 kilometers in radius. That damage would be insignificant, Captain, compared to the seismic repercussions, massive land quakes, and tsunami. Here's, here's a little hit. That is perfectly legal. And we'll be uh, <laughs> with Kirby oh, Enthusiasm. So weird, yeah, Kirby Enthusiasm thing. What we're, what we're saying is they're very thick uh, what? Japanese accents. What did you say? Yeah. Like over the top cartoonish. The Kirby enthusiasm music that ruins the clip. <laughs> anyway, yeah, yeah, I know Andy uh, keeps asking, but people, please put unedited clips of the Trade Federation on YouTube. It's <laughs> all Andy wants. He just wants undoctored clips of the Trade Federation. It's my number from one Phantom Menace. My number one podcast talking point. <laughs> if Andy, if Andy ran for governor, that would be his platform. I just want undoctored footage of the Trade Federation on YouTube. Senator, please. Um, one of the Trade Federation aliens in the Star Trek episode is played by Richard Cancino, 
who did a ton of anime voices and video games, including Assassin's Creed and Fallout 4. Have you, uh, you a fan of either of those? I've played both franchises. Right, well. Fallout I don't like because it's too much... I think you maybe you'd like it. It's for it's more detail oriented than I am on a video game where it's like uh, go save these people. Yeah. Now help them plant food so that they can continue. Also help them build a bed. Now help them. What? This sounds a, horrible. Then you can go shoot things. Like it's like insane. Oh, this is the opposite Fallout of what I is like. Fucking. I'm too impatient for Fallout. It's yeah. not a. It's not like it's not a great achievement in gaming. It is, yeah. But I'm too. Even the You're one, like even Fallout Four, the wasteland, right? Yeah, even Fallout Four, which is set in a in a post-apocalyptic Boston, I which was the get one that. It. And you found like there's like a there's a Cheers too. You can go. Didn't into. the previous one take place in Vegas? Fallout. Seems yes, like they're really yeah, yeah, yeah. they're really trying to get Matt Myra as a customer. Well, uh, so far they've not earned it. Maybe with Fallout seventy six. Um, uh, I think Fallout was one of the ones. There's this range of video games that like the baby i am make me nauseous um and i think fallout was one of them i started to play it and i was like cool the apocalypse and i was like nope makes me nauseous goodbye interesting what is that what is that andy source impulse engines passing safety limits were seconds from automatic shutdown reduce engine power track the beam off lieutenant warp what the hell did the sensor say the sound is not registering commander Red alert. What a weird thing for him to say. He's Very coming weird. to ask for help. I know. But <laughs> he's, he's got He a, just wanted to make a good teaser. Yeah, he's got exactly. He's going to the teaser and he had to he had to be classic Q before he becomes new Q. Part of the story. <laughs> We've done everything by the book and a little extra. We need more time or and we're short on both. I'll take a look and see if there are any rules I haven't broken. Keep me informed. We know you're behind this, Q. These aren't my colors. And what are you blathering about, Riker? What kind of twisted pleasure does it give you to bring terror into their lives? Whose lives? The millions of people down there who are watching as their moon falls out of the sky. Oh, I haven't the vaguest idea what you're talking about, and I have a much more serious problem. I'm no longer a member of the Continuum. My superiors have decided to punish me. Punish us as well, it would seem. They say I've spread chaos through the universe, and they've stripped me of all my powers. You don't believe me, do you? Do you th- Andy, did you believe him? Well, this is part of the problem. I didn't care. <laughs> 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 I don't know. There's, I, there's something about this character... And he definitely he wins me over more and more as we go through the series, and I think John Delancey does a fine job. But uh, he's omnipotent. I'm like, who cares? Uh, so the story of an un- omnipotent being losing his powers and dealing with that is not interesting to you, <sighs> I guess. Which I yeah, I, I, that's fair. Maybe I sure. feel like maybe I feel like Picard and that eh, he's lying. I feel like they're the, the high, you know, I like that he has superiors, but even when the Corbin Burns character shows up later, it's like, what's his relationship to the other guy? It's like, nothing's defined. There should be more rules that are discussed. Oh, you don't like the mystery of the Q continuum. Yeah. I feel like it's your complaint about star Wars. It's all like, it's all magical. Like, 
What's the difference between magic and unexplained science, Matt? Magic and unexplained science, the difference is uh, that I feel like there's uh, there can be an explanation for unexplained science because it's just unexplained. Whereas with magic, like the force... Yeah, but that feels totally subjective. And then, but, and then when, you, when you try to explain the force, yeah. it ruins the force. Exactly. <laughs> but that, uh, you know... But if you try to explain the continuum... It would probably help the continuum. However, Star Wars did try to explain the Force, so it tri- did try and it ruined the Force. Yeah, so then I don't know. I don't know how that that falls on. The how side many midi chlorians do you think you has? <laughs> Is it all the Force? Like if it served your purpose, yes. It's the truth. I stand before you, defrocked, condemned to be a member of this lowest of species, a normal, imperfect, lumpen human being. They made you human as part of your punishment. No, it was my request. I could have chosen to exist as a Markovian sea lizard or a Belzoidian flea. Anything I wished, as long as it was mortal. And since I had only a fraction of a second to mull, I chose this and asked them to bring me here. Why? Because in all the universe, you're the closest thing I have to a friend, Jean-Luc. good times is it yeah you get your patented uh, your patented face palm that is that comes nice. from this yes so that's yeah a meme is born <laughs> sir he is reading as fully human what is there an echo in here i am sensing an emotional presence captain i would normally describe it as being terrified how rude I what is little, it you want q i got a little clip to accompany that Andy's playing clips from Full House. (laughs) (laughs) Your compassion. All right. Sanctuary on this ship. Dreary as it may sound to the both of us. Return that moon to its orbit. I have no powers. Cue the ordinary. Cue the liar. Cue the misanthrope. Cue the miserable. Cue the desperate. What must I do to convince you people? Die. That was really great timing. Oh, Michael Dorn is a treasure. Uh, also, the editing. Well, yes, I, I, that was all editing. I know it was the, the timing specifically. Maybe say the delivery was. was there you go. It's perfection. Uh, I also like his retort. Oof. Eat any good books lately? That's <laughs> ah, good time good. on the bridge of the Enterprise this week, everybody. <laughs> Everyone's having a good chuckle. Fine. My uh, my helpful uh, house uh, clip was appropriate. It's very sitcommy. Absolutely. All right. There's a wharf. Throw him in the brig. Delighted, Captain. You can't do this to me, Jean Luc. You will walk, or I will carry you. Given the option, I'll I'll walk. You've disappointed me, Jean-Luc. I'm very disappointed. This turbo lift has a line on the carpet. The oh, yeah. front-facing turbo lift? Somebody pointed it out, yeah. Let it play here. Hey, I'm claustrophobic. I don't like it in here. That line is not in the script, and I wondered if John Delancey improvised it. He probably did. Yeah, so it's a good work. It's a funny line. <laughs> good job done, John Delancey. <laughs> Thanks, Andy. I never should have been realizing that he's claustrophobic. Think of a future in this show. 
forced to cover myself with a fabric because of some outdated human morality. To say nothing of being too hot or too cold. Growing feeble with age. Losing my... I like this shot. It's tracking him around the turbo lift. Oh, yeah, that He's was walking clever. walking around the turbo lift. Yeah, that could have gone wrong. And then he just Catching comes upon Worf. Yeah. Being ticklish. Sneezing. Having an itch. A pimple. Bad breath. Having to bathe. Too bad. Klingon. I should have said Klingon. In my heart of hearts, I am a Klingon dwarf. Sorry. So you understand, I could never survive in confinement. I mean, this is cruel and unusual punishment. The universe has been my backyard. As a fellow Klingon, if you would speak to the captain on my behalf, I would be eternally grateful. Which doesn't mean as much as it used to, I admit. Be quiet! Or disappear back where you came from! I can't disappear. Any more than you could win a beauty contest. If I were to ask you a very simple question, like you think you might be able to answer it without it troubling <laughs> your intellect too much? Ready? Here goes. Would I permit you to lock me away if I still had all my powers? You have fooled us too often, Q. Oh, perspicacity incarnate. Please don't feel compelled now to tell me the story of the boy who cried wharf. Computer, activate force field. I demand to be let out of here, do you hear me? You will deactivate this cell immediately. Romulan! I should have said Romulan, Klingon goat. Well, Andy, a lot of fun happening in this episode. Yeah. <laughs> not a lot of plot. I can see how you might not enjoy this. <laughs> Look, John Delancey's doing a great job. It's very, it's very humorously written. Uh, I just... I just want more structure to what what the Q can and can't do. And maybe we get that later in the series, but... The Q can do anything. That's the problem. You don't like omnipotence. I like it when I have it. (laughs) I want to be Q. I guess that's the problem. And so just watching somebody else be Q isn't fun for me. (laughs) Is that really anything to that? Or are you just being facetious? I don't know. Oh my God. What is wrong with you? I don't... Uh, You don't like other people being omnipotent because you want to be omnipotent. Possibly. (laughs) This is the weirdest human trait I've ever heard of in my life. Look, uh, who doesn't want to be omnipotent? I mean, there's a lot of baggage that comes with it. Not if you're Q. You don't care about anybody else. Oh, my God. Um, Story-wise, I'm fine with it so far. Yeah. I just, uh, I already said my thing. Uh, let's see. Then the 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 whatchamacallits come and they have to turn up the uh, shields the and Calamarain. Q has to Picard has to go to Q. I'm nice. All's forgiven. No offense taken. Enough. Q. What exactly is going on? Oh, but how can I know what's going on? I've been in this dungeon of yours, alone, helpless, bored to tears. We have a moon inexplicably falling out of orbit. And just now, this ship was probed with Berthold radiation. I wasn't aware of this. Truthfully, Jean-Luc, I've been entirely preoccupied by a most frightening experience of my own. A couple of hours ago, I realized that my body was no longer functioning properly. 
I felt weak. I could no longer stand. The life was oozing out of me. I lost consciousness. You fell asleep. Oh, terrifying. How can you stand it day after day? You get used to it. What other dangers await me? I'm not prepared for this. I need guidance. Q, I'm not going to play along with this. If you want to continue this charade, you can do it alone. Jean-Luc, wait! This is getting on my nerves now that I have them. You have a moon in a deteriorating orbit. I've known moons through the universe. Big ones, small ones. I'm an expert. I could help you with this one, if you let me out of here. Q, there are millions of lives at risk. If you have the power... I don't have any powers. But I have the knowledge locked up in this puny brain. You cannot afford to not take that advantage, can you? Mr. Data, report to detention cell three. On my way, sir. Computer, remove the force field. If you are human, which I seriously doubt, you will have to work hard to earn our trust. I'm not worried about that, Jean-Luc. You only dislike me. There are others in the cosmos who truly despise me. Mr. Data, you are hereby assigned to Q for the remainder of his stay. You will escort him to Miss LaForge in engineering. Aye, sir. Can I have a Starfleet uniform? What are you looking at? I was considering the possibility that you were telling the truth. That you really are human. It's the ghastly truth, Mr. Data. I can now stub my toe with the best of them. An irony. It means that you have achieved in disgrace what I have always aspired to be. <laughs> Spiner leans in and goes, zing. Like, it's like a weird choice. of <laughs> He, like, leans into it. You missed it. I'm sorry. Um, but, uh, yeah, so now we've put these two together, Andy. How do you feel about this? About this whole what? thing, this 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 direction for Q. It's hard for me to say because I know all of Q. Mm-hmm. I know Q many years from now. Okay. So, so, what are you saying? You have no objectivity. No, I do not. <sighs> I don't know. I you know it's fine. I I think it's funny. I think it's well handled uh, in terms of the the comedy of it, uh, which which T- TNG often isn't. Um, and Delancey's doing a good job. I don't know. Keep moving. <laughs> I, I don't have I don't have that much to say. Yeah, I, you know I'm finding that too about this episode particularly that I don't have that much to say about it because there's not a ton really. Story-wise, what happens is nothing. Q learns a lesson. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's what happens. He learns a certain amount of empathy? Is that the lesson he learns? I think he learns the value of self-sacrifice. Uh-huh. It's also not even clear once you bring in the Corbin Burnson Q later where... who What that... For someone who watched the Voyager... That has the most about the continuum of any series. Uh-huh. For someone who watched Voyager to not understand the Q continuum is very weird to me. I don't not understand it. I feel like they never really um, nailed it down in a way that was satisfying, which is part of my problem with it. Mm. 
I feel like the rules Maybe are... Maybe when that other Q wanted to kill himself? Yeah. That makes more... And they more... go to the continuum? The visual representation of the continuum? I only vaguely remember this. Yeah, interesting. Maybe you should go back and watch that, since you've already seen it, and then you won't Am be I such allowed a to? shithead. Whoa. <laughs> that is not necessary. Are you allowed to watch rewatch something you've already seen? Sure. Okay. I will allow it. Wait, what season was that? One. No. That was not a good season. <laughs> I believe it's season one. Maybe season no, two. No, the first seasons were good. And you get that cameo by uh, Will Riker. Oh, do you? Yeah. Oh. See a hologram? No. What is it, in the future? I don't remember no. this. I might not have meant that much of maybe not being a TNG follower oh, at that point. God, I can't explain everything to you. Not, not to not that I think that's exactly your job on this podcast. <laughs> uh, I like how much he hates Crusher. Well, if I didn't see it with my own eyes, I wouldn't believe it. According to this, he has classic back trauma, muscle spasms. What that looked like to me is that the tricorder said classic, uh, it said back trauma and then parenthetical muscle spasms. Like it just read that out to her because <laughs> she doesn't know how to be a doctor. Sure. Pressure lately. Family problems. Mm, well, don't expect too much sympathy from me. You have been a pain in our backside often enough. Oh, oh your bedside manner is admirable, doctor. Intentionally sure inflicting pain on her patient. Just to get away from you. Oh. You know this might work. Oh, bows up. We can't change the gravitational constant of the universe, but if we wrap a low-level warp field around that moon, we could reduce its gravitational constant. Make it lighter so we can push it. Glad I could help. Ow. I think. Now what? There's something wrong with my stomach. It hurts? It's making noises. Maybe you're hungry. It's the most doctoring she's ever done. <laughs> um, what do you think? What do you think of this ten forward scene? I don't know. We can keep. Doing do you have any notes? I, I don't have any thoughts. The whole thing is just like, all right, Q has no powers. All right, we'll just keep watching him not have no powers. Uh huh. There's there's not that much until the people. Uh, go after him the the, the squid people <laughs> I, I'm guessing the squid like people um, it's not that much that happens in this episode yeah you get a little more Guinan that I love I love the Guinan now stuff now he has something to say well we're not up to it yet we are no but she doesn't, she's not even in this 10 forward scene is this the hi Dory she's not even in the uh, it's forward she is. Oh, she is? Oh, I thought you were doing the Sunday scene. Well, who cares about that? I'm in a really bad mood. And since I've never eaten before, I should be very hungry. I will say that Q orders just like I would order. This is not a moment I'm looking forward to. A million Sundays. Here they drummed you out of the continuum. I like to think of it as a significant career change. Just one of the boys, eh? One of the boys with an IQ of 2005. So is that true? The captain and many of the crew are not... Has he maintained his IQ? Yeah, I think he would maintain all of his memory and everything, even if he became a Denebian blood sausage, whatever the fuck it was. So this is where you get into a weird area. Uh, the human brain's capacity for thought? 
he's got really got an IQ of 2005. Yeah. Um, shouldn't he be able to outthink them even as a human? Outthink who? The humans. He shouldn't he be able to manipulate everyone on the ship to make them do what he wants. Well, I think you're adding a, 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 a another layer of what? I think he is terrified, and I think he wants help. But if he had an IQ of 2005, theoretically, he wouldn't need help. He would just be able to outthink them and make them do whatever he wanted through manipulation. You're sick, man. <laughs> He's not a good guy. Neither are you. It's been established. You don't like watching him because you're not omnipotent. This is, and this is your move? What do you To mean? manipulate everyone? How, how you are evil. You're pure evil. I, I won't deny it. This is ridiculous. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm, I'm practical. Maybe with true intelligence comes the knowledge that you shouldn't manipulate people. He's he's a whining, self-interested windbag. We know this about him. It's been well You're established. You. <laughs> well, I may not be the only one in this uh, in this corridor. He is truly human. Really. Future fork. That I love. Enough to me. This is a dangerous creature. You have no idea why Picard would make her a member of the crew and not me. It must be terribly frightening for you to be totally defenseless after all of those centuries of being omnipotent. I'm warning you. I still have friends in high places. Frightening one race after the other, teasing them like frightened animals, and you enjoying every moment of your victim's fears. From now on, I'll do missionary work, okay? That would be a most noble cause, Q. You could learn a lot from this one. Sure, the robot who teaches the course in humanities. Robot. I am an android, not a robot. I beg your pardon. I'd enjoy that, and you better get used to it. What? Begging. You're a pitiful excuse for a human. The only way you're going to survive is on the charity of others. This is great. I love this scene. Sundays. Maybe that's the reason I like this. <laughs> it's just a bunch of ice cream. All right. So then the uh, the, the 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 cloud creatures come back. Try to try to get him. They suck him up into the thing and try to pull him out of 10 forward and uh, Data tries to save him and then gets electrocuted and then they have to figure out what's going on and it seems that uh, every race that has bothered uh, Q has bothered yeah. is coming after him now they've it's heard it's interesting to me that it would only be these this race like well, right story now, wise you just want to you just want a, a cloud you yeah. don't want to deal with 400 different races approaching in their ships it'll also be expensive to shoot nothing rotates what if the Q, what if the reasoning behind why Q acts like he does and all the Q act like they do is because they really do only have a human's capacity in terms of emotional range and their brain capacity and the omnipotence, the powers that they have actually are separate. I reversed this, by the way. Uh, they just raised the, the shield frequency and, and the thing cut off. So Data has yet to save Q in this. Sorry, oh. everyone. But Fair. anyway, continue. So I guess I'm just saying, what if they only have a human's brain cap- and emotional capacity? And uh, and what he's saying about them him having an IQ of 2005 is only in relation to his powers. He doesn't really, he doesn't, they, that to me would explain a lot about the Q, that they're, they're basically humans. They seem to act that way, don't they? Yeah, they do. 
but that's not the way they're described. They're described as omnipotent. Um, and they are. I guess that's the part that I want ironed out. It's not like they do things... Here's why I'm satisfied with the Q, as from a storytelling perspective. Okay. There's no inconsistency in their powers. Well... That, that's because they've never had to define their powers. That's the thing that's yeah, frustrating. Yeah, there's no inconsistency. There's no, like, I can't get out of here because I, yeah, you but know, whatever. Again, there's none of to that. the original point, isn't that just magic? Oh, the cues are, like, crazy. They're, like, you know. It's hard to say anything without fucking spoiling shit for you, so I don't know what to tell you. I see. You, you, could, defeat my, you could defeat my points if you could only refer to the future. <laughs> If I could only refer to the storytelling of Star Trek The Next Generation uh, as it has four more seasons to go. Well, when we get to it, then you can make your points. It's not that I... It's not that you're without merit, but there are other other explanations. All right. Well, I'm only basing it on what I've seen thus far. And uh, based on what I've seen thus far, I feel like there could be more definition and it would help the storytelling. What would the definition be? parameters on uh, like this thing I'm saying like I don't feel like it's really defined that that he only has a human's emotional capacity um, or a human's yeah. intellectual capacity beyond being able to access certain I don't, I don't know how you would define the distinction between uh, his powers and, and his brain capacity. If you're in charge of writing the cue how would you define it? I think the way that I'm saying, I think that would be a, a thing that the crew would come upon um, in their in their discussions of him. But I don't so feel like there's that, that much discussion. Are you saying that you want them to be like wh- human, humans who are granted omnipotence at some point in, let's say, in the in the 1700s or something? That would that would explain why they all talk like you, except for Corbin Ferguson. <laughs> It's the theoretically the the squire of Gothos was also a Q, right? Is that debunked? That's uh, I think that's like a book theory. Oh. It's in the book Q squared, mm-hmm. Trelane and uh, Q. Did you read that? I feel like I did as a kid, but I don't remember it very well. Okay, but that doesn't make sense all that much either because he was using all that technology in the house, unless that's what he decided to use as Trelane. Oh, I didn't remember that. Yeah. Well, whatever the case, um, yeah, that's what I'm saying. I don't know that they were even. It's possible that they Look, I'm evolved happy to into talk it. A solve for this, okay? But I, I, I you know, it's interesting. The, like, minimally, uh, I feel like I would like more discussion from the crew amongst themselves or with Q. You don't like the readily acceptance of an omnipotent being in the Federation. You don't like the not fact when that there is so one. much plot is laid on what Q does Mm -hmm. or can do or can't do or anything like that and like the references to my superiors I guess you could kind of extrapolate alright there's a structure of the Q's there's some that are in charge Corbin Burnson and Q are lower than them what is it suggested that Corbin Burnson kind of um, um, uh, politicked to get Q screwed right in this episode to get his powers taken away seems yeah a little bit sure yeah i don't know you know he's busy when he's not playing third base for the indians <laughs> not, not la huh no major league bro corbin burton is uh nothing personal Car, mr burton 
terrible in this episode. <laughs> it's almost like he was walking to the set of L.A. Law and the guy who was supposed to be there had just gotten sick and they had that outfit and it was perfectly sized for Corbin Burnson and they were like, uh, could you pop in here for a second and just do this real quick? Mm-hmm. And he just did it. Sure, I know nothing about this show. He, but did, it, he did it in one and a half takes. It does feel like and that. cut it on his starship. I can do anything as little trained minions can do. I do not perceive your skills to be in doubt, Q. The captain is merely concerned with your ability to successfully interact with his little trained minions. Human interpersonal relationships are more complex. Your experience may not have adequately prepared you. I'm not interested in human interpersonal relationships. I just want to prove to Picard that I'm indispensable. Engineering. That was a lengthy tracking shot. Yeah, they're doing a lot more of those these days. More relationships. It's so hard. And of more immediate importance is your ability to work within groups. I'm not good in groups. It's difficult to work in a group when you're omnipotent. The tides reached 10 meters on the last orbit. They're already beginning to swell again. Have a lot of frightened people down here, Captain. And the Jedi. Is- oh, what? <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, so this thing comes back. They're trying to. I mean, really, the the moon is is nothing. Right. So it's a it's a to borrow a term uh, from the right. It's a nothing burger. Uh huh. <laughs> anyway. Yes, sir. So this is a. Uh, these cloud creatures get a hold of Q in engineering uh, and try to lift him up from the warp core. And that's when uh, Data gets uh, electrocuted. Uh, and they're all they're watching him in sickbay. Q's there. The whole crew's there. What can you do for him? He can try to discharge and reset the motor pathways, recouple the autonomic nodes. There's yeah, overpressure in his fluidic systems. Thermal shock. If he was mortal, he'd be dead. Well, let's not overstate the matter here, Doctor. I'm mortal and I survived. Cheers are overwhelming. Q, you exceed your own standard of self-preoccupation. You have no concern for an officer who may have saved your life. He's strong. He'll survive. Osmotic pressure still rising. Maybe we can bypass the flow regulator. It would be helpful if everybody just got out of here now. Mm, Touchy. All right, Jordy, I'm going to level with you. I don't know what we're doing. <laughs> I mean, he's a robot, right? So what am I here for? Shouldn't he be doing this in some sort of engineering lab? Uh, isn't there like uh, Lieutenant Barkley or something that can help you? All right, I- I'm just going to take a break. i got to go into my, my office. Where's, just... Also, where's Wesley? <laughs> Stay with Q. It's a very forceful security guard. <laughs> Stay with Q, and he just walks over and just, <laughs> just grabs him out. The moon's trajectory. All we did was buy ourselves another orbit, at most. We can try again when the moon comes back to its perigee. And when we drop our shields, the Calamaranes go after Q again. Commander, he's not worth it. That's does that going, seem that's going in his personal record? Does that seem like that's in character for Jordy? Uh, in dealing with Q, yes. Uh-huh. <laughs> Anybody else? No. Seems like it's not very Federation-y. No, very Starfleet-y. You know, you get you get uh, you get cued enough. Uh-huh. You're no longer gonna cue it. Up. <laughs> Mess with the Q. 
you get the R. <laughs> get, the, get the short end of the Q. Uh, as far as fictional Qs go, I would rate uh, John Delancey's Q slightly behind James Bond's Q. <laughs> That's fair. Is there another Q? Those are the two main Qs, uh, right? My buddy Brian Quinn, who is Q on the Impractical Jokers television program. Uh-huh. I would have to rank him slightly above Q from Star Trek. Oh, wow. Yeah. That is... I mean, personal level, you'd have to go above the fake Q from James Bond, but uh, those are the three Qs. Three Qs. Data may have sacrificed himself for me. Why? That is his special nature. He learned the lessons of humanity well. When I ask myself if I would have done the same for him, and I'm forced to answer no... I feel... I feel ashamed. Q, I'm not your father confessor. You will receive no absolution from me. You have brought nothing but pain and suffering to this crew. And I'm still not entirely convinced that all this isn't your latest attempt at a puerile joke. It is a joke. Joke on me, joke of the universe. The king who would be man. As I learn more and more what it is to be human, I am more and more convinced that I would never make a good one. I don't have what it takes. Without my powers, I'm frightened of everything. I'm a coward. And I'm miserable. Yeah, and I, I get can't you. go on this way. Andy, are you going to fly a shuttle into something? If I had that option, I might do it. <laughs> Where are the calamarine? He's going to be all right. We're recalibrating his language service, so he can't talk yet. They start doing it. He starts speaking in French. He's like, whoops, uh, too far. Click it back. <laughs> uh, Brent Spiner probably asked for that on the set. Sure, can't just do a little bit? There are creatures in the universe who would consider you the ultimate achievement, android. No feelings, no emotions, no pain. And yet you covered those qualities of humanity. Believe me, you're missing nothing. I assume they meant his speech circuits. Because he said it doesn't means anything yes. to you. You're a better human than I. Unless he didn't understand a word of that, and that's why he looks at them like that. What was what, he what, talking what, about? <laughs> what was that all about? <laughs> I don't understand words yet. Guys, turn on my language. Uh, that would be funny. He tries to float out Suicide. there. Suicide. Yes, I suppose you're right. Death of a coward, then so be it. But as a human, I would have died of boredom. I like this. I like all this yeah. progression. For some reason, I can't lock onto the shuttlecraft. Worf, are you sensing any interference from the Calamarain? No, sir. But they are still moving toward the shuttle. Jordy, extend shields around Shuttle 1. Extending shields. Commander, the shields are frozen. Cause. Calamarine are very formidable. Unknown. Oh, wait, this is the other Q, right? You don't know. Could be anyone. Tractor beam is not functioning either. What the hell is going on? Not bad, Q. Not great. <sighs> but not bad. 
cue. Sacrificing yourself for these humans? Do I detect a selfless act? You flatter me. I was only trying to put a quick end to a miserable existence. What a dreadful color. Yeah. What are you doing here? Oh, I've been keeping track of you. I always thought you were in my corner. I know. Actually, I was the one who got you kicked out. You know you're incorrigible, Q. You're a lost cause. I can't go to a single solar system without having to so broad. for you. And I'm tired of it. He doesn't know what to do with hands and fingers. He's not playing it in any organic way. He's looking at his hands like, whoa, what am I doing with these hands? But wasn't the like, one who misplaced the entire Deltivid. Destroyed are you hey. saying that you could... Maybe offer some sort of uh, weekend class. <laughs> Secunda's specific Q acting. Yeah. <laughs> you want to learn how to be a Q in human form for the first time? You can head over to Andy's. Number one. Uh, <laughs> lesson one. The snap. <laughs> now remember, the second you snap, you will. They will then cut, and you will not cease to be in that shot. So you have to think one second ahead. <laughs> or behind. This isn't uh, about me. I got better places to be. But somebody had to keep an eye on you to make sure you still didn't find a way to cause trouble. Even as a member of this um, limited species. So, the, he's complaining about Q being a dick to the other species. Mm-hmm. But then, is it suggested by what uh, John Delancey says that he also messes with other species, or no? Well, he lost an asteroid belt. That's not exactly a species. So he just screws up. Hence, hence my my uh, my theory that they're all really dumb, or not dumb, but as dumb as humans. That's Andy's theory. Andy's theory is that the cues are as dumb as humans. I don't I don't disagree with that. Oh, that's not it at all. You just want the end part. Theories are very interesting because he's really smart. That's what I wanted. I wanted an Andy's theory jingle. All right. You had a theory. Well, the other one was the long opening, but I really didn't have anything else to say. Oh, it's Andy's theories. Anyway, he gets his powers back. Let's hurry up and finish me off. We can get you back on your way. Mm, afraid I'd put them on hold too. You see, there's still this matter of the selfless act. Now, you and I both know that the Calamarain would have eventually destroyed the Enterprise to get to you. And that's really why you left, right? Was a teeny bit selfless, wasn't it? Yeah, and there's my problem. See, I can't go back to the Continuum and tell them that you committed a selfless act just before the end. If I do, there's going to be questions, there's going to be explanations for centuries. I've learned my lesson, Q. Remember who you're talking to. All-knowing, all-seeing. Hmm, fine. You got your powers back. Try and stay out of trouble. Maybe he, maybe Corbin Burnson does a weird wave and that's how his powers activate. Uh Uh-huh. They're different. Why was it a guy who's more equal to Q and not a superior? Like, not one of the people that they're sort of... I don't know. It was. It's weird because it's like, well, I, you know, you keep screwing things up for me, so I basically try. I got you kicked out of the continuum, and then I choose to give you your powers back. Why isn't it just uh, 
A superior, make it the superior. The superior's like, we did this to you because blah, blah, blah. Because you... Maybe that's what it was, and then Corbin, you know, on set was like, guys, I got it. Here's what it is. Here's what it is. What if I'm as much of a rascal as John Delancey? <laughs> I mean, I, that's what those people love from me. Have what you if, seen L.A. Law? What if Rene Russo's character in Major League was into me? <laughs> what? Corbin. <laughs> I kept thinking it was so your they feet. wanted to destroy me, did they? Oh, my feet hitting you, not yeah. Bo. And then, and then I realized Bo keeps putting his paws on my feet. If you think I've tormented you in the past, my little friends, wait until you see what I do with you now. Q. I was just seeing if you were still watching. <sighs> Captain, the aliens have disappeared. And so has the shuttle. Scan the sector. I have, sir. Well, I suppose that is the end of Q. Can't wait to hear what Andy thought of this situation. Au contraire, mon capitaine! He's back! This is amusing. I enjoyed this. and sisters of the continuum have taken me back i'm immortal again omnipotent again swell don't fret riker my good fortune is your good fortune i don't need your fantasy women you can go right to the holodeck you weren't like that before the beard i like the reference to the beard Feel like celebrating. I don't. All right. They all have cigars. I, no, they they I didn't they realize that Jordy was holding a cigar. Puts on his captain's now, at uniform. At the risk yeah. of being rude. Yes, once again, I've overstayed my welcome. As a human, I was ill-equipped to thank you. But as myself, you have my everlasting gratitude. Until next time. Ah, but before I go, there's a debt I wish to repay to my professor of the humanities. Data, I've decided to give you something very, very special. If your intention is to make me human, No, 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 no. I would never curse you by making you human. Think of it as a going away present. (laughs) I like that he delivers it in in an ominous way, so you're not sure what's going to happen. This was enjoyable. <laughs> he must have been thrilled when he read this in the script. Oh, I think he was. Dad, why are you laughing? I do not know. But it was a wonderful feeling. Captain, Rail 4 is hailing us. On screen, Lieutenant. You did it. Yay. In the car, you've done it. 
data, your analysis. The moon's altitude is 55,000 kilometers. Projected orbit is circular. There is no further danger to the planet. Ensign, set course for station Nigala 4. Aye, sir. Perhaps there's a residue of humanity in Q after all. Ensign, and don't bet on it, Picard. Do you think the ensign engaged? Just assuming he was going to finish the sentence. I engaged? He didn't say. He didn't finish. It's engaged. Oh, no. Oh, no. This is bad. Um, interesting uh, thing. In the script, it doesn't say we see Q. We only hear Q. So that was the decision they made. To put him in the smoke? And then the second weird thing is he's uh, he's naked in the image. Or he's he's shirtless. What are you talking about? When he appears over the cigar, which oh, is I thought it more was phallic, his neck. Uh, no, it shows his oh, shoulder, and his thing. shoulder is bare. Does it? Yeah, it's uh, real weird. I noticed that at all. So I assume they shot it when he was naked in that first scene, but it's very strange that they would... Because you don't really even need him, the image of him there. Ensign. Ensign. Don't. I guess so. I think if you let it play. Yeah. Oh, I, oh yeah, yeah, you definitely can I guess see it. so. And good, good eye, Andy? <laughs> I don't know. I was I thought it was it was overkill to even put him in there. That's why I was noticing it. Ah. Uh, but uh that being said, I'm satisfied with the ending of it. And I like that he tries to kill himself and I like that he learns an, an ounce of humanity. Um so all that's fine and I I, I see the potential for the character. I just think it's a flawed concept that's taking a long time to get to well i mean it's not like we only get one a year right. really of q I yeah season, so i guess he's i think season four it's either season four or five where there is no q episode i forget which one it is was there an outcry yes from me it's interesting i wrote Delancey, letters delancy never really outside of the What's the what's the multiplicity? <laughs> what's is, is Delancey in it? Yeah, he plays uh, Michael Keaton's boss. Oh, really? I was going to say the the brony people thing. <laughs> the brony doctor. Well, he does the voices. He's the right, voice, he's on, voice on, on the My Little Ponies. My Little Ponies. He did the. Um, but outside of that, it's interesting that uh, Delancey never uh, kind of hit it big in another. They never cast him in a. I think he was he was all over the place in the. Let's look it up. 90s. In like the ni- ni- the bell. early 90s, early mid 90s, I feel like he was. Was he? Is it like, uh, I wonder if it's like a, a stereotyping in the in the sci-fi world. Our might. first take on it, says Michael Piller, was that Q lost his powers, came aboard, and we developed a whole story about how we were to come, uh, we were about to come into war with the Klingons. Oh, I like that. Turns out that Q didn't really lose his powers after all. He was just playing with us and pulling our strings just so that he could make himself a hero, becoming an officer to prove his value. It wasn't a bad story, but ultimately we sat down with Gene and Rick, and Gene said, if you're going to do a story godlike and brought to earth, then do it. Do a story about what it's like to lose everything that you are and having to discover your own humanity. 
he kind really of good note. threw cold water on us and suggested we do it straightforward, and that's what we did. We made it a comedy, we made it fun, but it has some extraordinary things to say about humanity. Melinda Snodgrass said, I always think of Q as Loki. He's chaos. Maurice Hurley always thought Q was here to teach us a lesson, to guide us and instruct us. I can understand to some extent, but I really see him as a mischief maker. He really just wants to foul Picard's head. He shows he shows what it's like to be at the top when you're omnipotent and you're in charge of the whole show and people are are critiquing you. Uh, John Delancey considered the bridge scenes of this episode the hardest to film. His simulated trumpet playing took several hours, and uh, with no found, uh, with no way found to fake the scene in which he appears to suspend in the nude, he had to do it on natural. What? The, what, what was that? They didn't have a, a fake thing to put on him. That's what it says here. <laughs> I don't, it's like somebody just wanted to see him in the nude. <laughs> I don't buy it. Seems like that's basic Hollywood technology. He was in the West Wing. Uh, this episode was nominated for an Emmy Award for Outstanding Editing in a Series. Single camera production. Hmm. Interesting. I don't know that I would have picked this one for I think editing. You, you loved it because of Worf's timing. Uh, yeah, I stand die. corrected. You did talk about the editing early. I did. I didn't mention it specifically, but that, that is fair. He's in Breaking Bad? John? Yes, he is, actually. Huh. I don't remember him in that. Um, yeah, a lot of... Uh, hey, hey, Bo. A lot of... Um, Bo, leave Andy alone. <laughs> Bo, come here, buddy. Duckman Legend, the TV series. Oh, Duckman. What was Legend? I don't know. What am I? Janos Bartok, that must have been. Dime store novelist in the Old West lives with a scientist friend, Professor Janos Bartok. Mm, that sounds, sounds kind of fun, yeah. huh? And I assume that, that uh, Delancey is the scientist. Um, he was in Matlock. He was. He's in L.A. Law. I wonder if his scenes were with Corbin Burnson. Oh, maybe they just hit it off so well. Are you done? Yeah, I'm done. Okay. All right. Here we go. Huh. Ooh, here's a question. Yeah. Is Q a member of the crew in this episode? Uh... No. Okay. He was never officially made a member of the crew. They didn't even give him a uniform. Right. Okay. Um, I'd say that uh, Jordy has a big hand in figuring out all the stuff with the planet. Although the, Q, the of end course, result is right. that Q just fixes everything. So I guess it would be it would be Data then because he's involved with Q. It's his accident. Data saves comes. Q, uh-huh. which causes Q to have some self-reflective moments. Right. Which then caused Q to realize he must sacrifice himself to save the Enterprise. Right. So it's a domino effect. Right. Started with data. Right. You could argue that Picard had a hand in it because he's the one that kind of guilt trips him when uh, data's all messed up on the table and yeah. 
Well, I don't think the Beverly's uh, it's hard to say. The Enterprise and the crew are never really in danger, except when the Calamari are attacking, or Calamari, or Calamarian, whatever the hell we're calling them. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, I'm going to give it to Data in this one, just because. Uh, I think that's reasonable. It's a weird episode to sort of figure that out. Anyway, that's the MVC on this one. The Andes. Or some other method of ranking. We're working on it. So, uh, I want to hear yours first. Yeah, I really like this one. I, I find it endlessly rewatchable. Um, I think it's the... Uh, there aren't too many episodes of Star... Like, I feel like TNG missed the fun of the original series like the original series would have episodes like i mud or piece of the action or squire of goth like episodes that had some a lot of humor throughout Uh and i feel like tng sort of missed that right uh and i think that whenever q shows up there are moments of that and 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 i i enjoy i enjoy that aspect of it and this episode in particular i've always enjoyed thoroughly um so I'm gonna give this. Uh, Where is he? I'm gonna give this eight. Ooh, an eight. Eight, 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 eight and a half Andes. Eight and a half for me. Ugh, skyrocketing. The Andes are skyrocketing. Um, yeah, I'm very torn because I have a lot of problems with the portrayal of the Q. Uh, but I really will say that I am increasingly charmed by John Delancey's portrayal, mm-hmm. and uh, and he's definitely got great timing, and he's locking into the character, and he's not. But it's it's funny to see him facing off with Corbin Birdson, who's so crazily over the top, doing essentially the same thing, which is vamping and being a rascal. Whereas John Delancey has total control over it, and uh, being a rascal, and uh, and I it does build to. Um, to a real moment when Q uh, realizes he's without his omnipotence, he kind of can't even go on. He has he has zero value uh, or self worth. So, um, it's between a six point five and a seven. And I'm gonna say it was entertaining enough. And I agree with your points about the comedy. So I'm gonna give it a seven. Oh wow, that's much higher than I thought you were going to give us. Yeah, wow, Andy came in out of nowhere with that seven. All right, everybody, it's time to see the trailer for episode uh, three fourteen. This is a matter of perspective. Have you watched this one yet, Andy? Um, the episode. Have you watched it yet? What is it? Matter of perspective. I don't believe so. Okay, well, buckle up. We're gonna have a lot to talk about. Next time on Star Trek: The Next Generation. A brilliant scientist is killed, and Riker becomes a murder suspect. I just know he did it. He killed my husband. Was it a crime of passion? She's lying. That never happened. Or a violent act of jealousy? You're a dead man, Apgar. We both know Will's innocent. The verdict could send Riker to his death. On Star Trek The Next Generation. That one looks rough. Guys, it's a, t- it's a time. I've seen that. I've seen this episode coming up uh, a lot. Also, I'm going to knock it Not down to six point five. Have we closed choice. the Andes? The Andes were closed. We can reopen them. I'm trying to think. I guess it was 
really I thought it was slow at the beginning and uh, just on policy I don't know if I can uh, support yeah, the I understand all right let's do it 6.5 there you go 6.5 Andes I hope you are updating all your Andes at home Brad Brad Arrington who makes Brad our Arrington, charts I hope I didn't screw others. you up I'm sure there are people who follow us with like <laughs> a, a scorecard people writing their thing <laughs> um, but that's uh, I wonder what the Vegas odds are on the Andes oh, good question <laughs> only we know uh, anything else to add Andy nothing how close are we on patreoning uh, close <laughs> all right so. we're trying to figure out the, the like uh, matt's on the side of just one basically one level and uh, i'm i'm sort of trying to finagle for a couple of possible levels but i think just one at like five dollars would be just right. the best thing so we probably that will be the basic level at least to start and then we'll figure it out from there um want to make it accessible and also want to give you guys something for uh for it so we're sort of we're circling like things we can do episodes we can do that will just be on patreon etc um but that changes nothing over here come back weekly for your breakdown of star trek the next generation next week a matter of perspective uh this week uh, i'm beaming away you left me on the bridge if i uh you're in the corridor i had in the corridor i gotta go i'm in, I'm in this, I'm in this <laughs> weird cigar smoke <laughs> q must be around <laughs> Is Matt the omnipotent one? He was. He was. He was really coming down on me hard about uh, wanting to be omnipotent. I don't know why that's such a thing. Why would you want to be omnipotent? Then you'd be immortal. How many stories do we have to see about? Are you still in the cigar smoke right now? (laughs) How many stories in life do we have to see about the hard times of the immortal? But look at how happy Q is when he became immortal, and and how when he how much fun he became immortal. But then you know you're you're left like uh, think of Logan, you know. Logan. It's not so much. It's not fun to like. Oh, sort well, of, Logan is constantly in pain. It's not fun to be the only. He feels pain every time his clothes left. come out. Well, he doesn't have to. He really doesn't have to use them. Well, he, sure he does. No, I mean, honestly, let's say he's in the X Men suit, right? Okay. Why can't they just put on a fake pair of claws for him that are made of adamantium? They don't need to come out of his fucking arms. If it hurts that much, buddy, we can make you a fake set. And all of your fighting skills are retained. It's possibly valid. <laughs> so it's that. Uh, I assume that he's like a bad, kind of got a badass perspective on it. It's just like, sure. I don't care about the pain. But there are solves. Anyway, I have got to get out of this. I like smoke. that this whole conversation has happened with your, your head floating next to mine. <laughs> I'm also not wearing a shirt. Anyway, guys, thank you for joining us. Disengage. <laughs>